Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we look at what's happening in the UK and whether UK investors should be worried if the Bank of England decides to raise interest rates. With Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, and Jean-Paul Yeagers, Head of Asset Allocation. To find out about starting your investing journey with Barclays, visit barclays.co.uk forward slash investments. Hello, welcome to today's Word on the Street. And I'm catching up with Jean-Paul Yeagers today, Head of Asset Allocation, to discuss what's happening in the UK and in the investment landscape. So before we do that, we're getting close to year end, which means getting into the festive spirit. I noticed in Canary Wharf, all the Christmas trees are up. But JP, there's been a bit in the press about supply chain issues. Obviously, we've talked about it in previous podcasts. What's your recommendation? Do I need to start worrying about buying Christmas presents and pigs in blankets? Or will everything be okay when we get to December? Hello, Nikki. That's uh, yeah. As I technically always say in meetings, I'm not allowed to give any advice. Um, <laughs> but but, but joking aside, we, we, we indeed do see some examples of where supply change might be affecting the pattern of, of consumption. And for example, we've recently seen some more headlines on, for example, game consoles being affected by chip shortages that may run well after the festive season. But we also know that supply change and production are typically geared to seasonality. So that means, for example, supermarkets uh, anticipate a, a festive season. We should expect some capacity or inventory management to accommodate this seasonality. Being at the risk of sounding like a two-handed economist, I would probably say it depends. Okay, well, I, I, I guess it also depends what, what we're planning to give for Christmas. So. Yes. But, but more seriously, I guess we've had a lot of news coming out this week from the world of geopolitics to central bank activity or what they might be thinking. So just just first let's let's talk about oil reserves we've seen you know quite a concerted effort of the release of oil reserves by the likes of us china and india what does that matter what do you make of that jp uh, that's a good question so so we so we know that the the price of energy has been at the center of a lot of debates this year uh, we've seen that brand oil for example uh, prices are up more than 60% uh, which, of course, that is directly resulting in higher petrol prices, uh, for example. But also indirectly, it will be impacting transport costs or production costs into consumer prices. At the same time, we see that OPEC Plus, so this is the cartel of oil exporting countries, cannot really find a consensus on production quotas. We've also seen gas prices, uh, another area where we have seen price uh, spikes, and particularly in the UK, we've seen here some suppliers struggling or put into administration. This in a geopolitical maneuver, the US has now coordinated a concerted release of oil reserves uh, with the hope it will stem prices a little bit. So, you know, potential success for, for Biden, it, it sounds like. But another piece of news from President Biden has been the reappointment of Powell as the Fed chair and Brainard as, as vice chair. Is that relevant for what that means in in the sort of investing landscape. What do your teams sort of think about this when we're when we're planning how to allocate investment? Well, given the political dynamics with the Senate, uh, this outcome of continuity, stability was to a large extent uh, expected. Just for how we invest on behalf of our clients, uh, this is not really something at the moment in the team we're spending a lot of time on. 
Okay, so sticking with central banks and the focus on interest rates, we've seen the consumer as being the central topic of the year for for investors. And and you've mentioned before that that's something that that you and the team do monitor very closely, consumer spending. This week, closer to home, we've had speeches from the Bank of England, which most have interpreted as a sort of them being in wait-and-see mode. But last month, the Bank of England surprised investors by not making a move, not hiking rates, but sort of saying that it would come. What, what do you make of that? That's interesting. You are correct. So last last month, investors anticipated to some extent that the Bank of England would start lifting interest rates for the first time since the pandemic. Uh, they didn't. Uh, but at the same time, they said, well, we have to address uh, inflation at some moment, uh, given what consumer prices have done. And as yeah, most central banks around the world are grappling to what extent is this temporary or more permanent? We actually think that the answer probably is a little bit that some inflation is likely here to stay, some inflation will likely fail. But for financial markets, it's the question, will this be perceived as on balance too high or too uncomfortable? Yeah, the, the UK has the extra uncertainty that some economic links with Europe have changed and the labor market is undergoing a profound yeah changes at the moment. I guess, JP, it'd be helpful to get some kind of explanation as to why it's important whether interest rates do rise or not. There seems to obviously be quite a lot of attention in this space. So why is that? Yes. So that's, yeah, that's a good question. And a question I sometimes receive from clients as well. So it's, why is this so important, the whole inflation or lifting interest rates uh, debate? It's, it's the yeah the uncertainty that comes with it for central banks. So we see a central bank obviously cannot address temporary supply chain bottlenecks with interest rates. That would not be the right thing to do for the economy. But equally, if they wait for too long and then inflation might start seeping into expectations or wages, and by the time this is being observed, it's already too late. So that's actually a very fine balance of anticipating what will happen uh, going forward. Interestingly, we do see some differentiation between what markets are expecting for the UK central bank and the US. So in the UK, markets are expecting a short but sharp hiking cycle. So that liftoff could be as early as next month. But the Bank of England is then not expected to hike beyond, say, for example, 1% with their policy rates. In contrast, the US central bank, so the Federal Reserve, is expected to only start raising rates by early summer next year but then to slowly increase rates in the years beyond to, yeah, to an overall much higher level than what's being expected from the Bank of England. Okay, that's, that's helpful. And I mean, I guess that must have some kind of impact into, into how you think about the positioning of, of our investments. Yes, indeed. So that, that, this, is, this is one of, so not necessarily the Fed chair, as you discussed a minute ago, but this is some of the elements that we do use in how we think about markets, but also how we position in client portfolios. So in client portfolios in October, for example, we've bought a little bit more US dollars at the expense of the British pound. Uh, as we expect, the British pound may face some headwinds in case the Bank of England will start lifting interest rates. In an environment where economic growth has been slowing a bit, well, from very strong levels as the economy has recovered from the opening up, uh, but we can see this in our own economic indicators, surprise indicators, where we measure how economic data is coming in. We've seen that has been losing momentum. So we see that the new economic readings are coming in below the previous reading and also well below expectations. 
Beyond that, ongoing supply chain issues, higher energy prices, and a change in consumption patterns uh, yeah, have resulted in inflation being yeah, a bit stickier than initially feared. It's difficult to disentangle the exact effects of Brexit here, but it's likely to exacerbate some of these issues. Uh, meanwhile, we still have the uncertainty all over the state of the UK labour market post-furlough scheme. Uh, that was one of the reasons for the central bank to wait a little bit to see exactly how the labour market will respond with the roll-off of the furlough scheme. Uh, and any data which shows yeah, fears were misplaced might give policymakers and investors a little bit more comfort. But overall, yeah, we feel the backdrop for the UK is a mixed uncertain one at the moment. That's probably how we feel in everyday life as, as well as with the investing <laughs> landscape. But, but as you say, you know, that, that's built into how you're tilting our sort of well-diversified portfolios and funds across the whole range of, of asset classes and, and securities. So any other views that, that you have reflected in uh, the positioning in, in portfolios and funds? At the moment, if we look at our, our client portfolios, how we invest on behalf of our clients, we see that we are leaning into equity. So we hold a little bit more uh, equity exposure than we would otherwise would, as we feel the economic strength is still sufficient to support stock markets for the moment. We have been shying away from emerging market local debt, and that's mainly here because of the emerging currencies, uh, which we feel may come temporarily a bit under pressure. And that is something we've seen in recent weeks. For client portfolios, we hold also a little bit less U.S. high-yield bonds. That's one of the areas where we think this asset is, at this juncture is, uh, is rather expensive. But indeed, as you correctly pointed out, these are the, the tills we have in portfolios, so buying a little bit more or buying a bit less to adapt to the near-term outcomes we anticipate. But of course, when investing, and in particular over a number of years, uh, yeah, it's always invested in a well-diversified portfolio with a range of assets and, and securities represented in, in portfolios. This we th still think is the best way to get, uh, to get invested. Here, here. Okay, well, that's well said and, and well understood. And I guess we're a bit lighter this week. I think that's probably reflective of uh, US Thanksgiving and, and markets in general being a, being a bit quieter. But I know that you and the team will be keeping a close eye on things. And to our listeners, thank you very much. We will be back again next week for more Word on the Street. Thanks, JP. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.